0: Welcome to Fundamentally Human, a podcast about mental health topics unpacked in an easy-to-understand way. My name is Shervin, and I'm your host. Let's get started. Today, we're joined by Elaine Mock, who has mentored me through this whole podcast process, and she has an extensive experience and background in the social media world. Welcome, Elaine. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Shervin. Thanks for having me. Before we dive into today's topic of imposter syndrome, I'm going to share a brief background on what it means. It's defined as an internal belief that you're not as competent and capable compared to others. It's thinking that you're a phony or a fraud and that you don't belong, that you're not good enough. While this is not classified as a mental disorder, characteristics like low self-esteem, feeling like a failure, sabotaging your own success, and self-doubt are classified under depression and anxiety as well. So they all kind of align together. And in particular, it closely parallels with social anxiety disorder because someone might feel like they don't belong in a social situation or you're going to get judged and someone's going to figure out your incompetency. This term, imposter syndrome, was first used by psychologists Susanna Imes and Pauline Rose Clance in the 1970s and was actually originally applied to high achieving women, but over time it's been used more commonly, regardless of gender or age or any of those labels, and there's an estimate of at least 70% of people experiencing this throughout their lifetime. So Elaine, can you share a bit about how you got started with YouTube and your background?
1: Yeah, of course. So hi everyone. I'm known as Elaine Mock on YouTube and across social media. I'm most known for my acne related videos back in the 2010s. So I'm considered a second or third gen YouTuber. Um, I posted my acne coverage foundation video and it just went viral in a couple hours. Uh, It became a really incredible opportunity that sprouted because I had absolutely no plans after high school. Um, YouTube has brought me many, many opportunities and experiences that I will never forget. It was like the height of my life. I got to explore and reach a potential I don't think I would have ever been able to uh, with the structured academic career path that my parents wanted me to go on. Um, I personally did have a really, Big, I hit a big road bump back in Japan 2016 with my mental health, but I managed to get myself back to Toronto and heal during this time. Um, my healing involved taking time away from YouTube and those associated with the YouTube community, so I haven't been really <laughs> active the last couple of years, uh, but I am in a better headspace now mentally, and I've been slowly returning back to the internet Uh, YouTube has always been a part of my life and I knew it'll always be there for me when I'm ready to come back. Um, Yes, I guess it's been a part of my life since I was 10. So that was like 2005. Um, I love every part of being able to see your projects come to life from when you brainstorm to the final project. I just love the journey of executing ideas.
0: And that's why Elaine was such a huge part in me getting started with my podcast, because with all her experience on YouTube and social media, she was really able to guide me through what I needed to do to get started. And without her, I wouldn't be here today.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you just needs a little love tap, you know, in the right direction. And you were, you were gone. <laughs> you were good. I, you know, the the saying with like, you can either like feed someone a fish, or you can like teach them to fish. And I really believe in that where instead of um, keeping what I know to myself, I rather just share it with you. And, um, you know, let you fish and then maybe you can teach more fishers in the future. And I think that'll be really great.
0: love that analogy. I I try to do it too, where it's like, oh my gosh, it takes so much effort and time to teach someone, but just think about what that looks like in the long-term. It might be Mm -hmm. short-term pain, but long-term growth. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. And it's fitting that today, you know, we're talking about imposter syndrome. It's actually one of the first things you and I spoke about when we started talking uh, earlier last year.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: For me, I've been dealing with it for I don't know as long as I can remember I can't even remember the first time it came up for me but I'm someone who grew up in a very strict and traditional household especially being in the Chinese culture where my parents think like you know you have to either become a lawyer or doctor some type of professional degree Mm -hmm. and you have to act a certain way you're female so you have to be more polite you can't act elegant rash. Ladylike,
1: like <laughs> <Simon>. yes exactly <laughs> that's Cantonese for being very ladylike and elegant semen <laughs>
0: and my parents wanted me to stop playing ultimate frisbee which is a sport I really love because mm-hmm. it's just running and I'm wearing shorts and outside and I do a lot of diving and they're like oh don't do that anymore it's going to make you too rushed and you won't study well I don't know how they got that correlation, <laughs> but you know, um, jumping back into the topic of imposter syndrome and how that relates is my whole life I've been taught to be a certain way, to try to always be better, being compared to my parents' friend's kid. They're in med school, so you should be in med school. For me, my mom was telling me to try to event something like Facebook so I can be the next. Mark Zuckerberg (laughs) oh I mean I wish I could come up with something like that and well that's just not the case and it's just been so ingrained to me that I always have to be better and better and better not because of personal growth but rather that's just what I've learned and over the past years I maybe in the last two or three years is when I really realized that with validation it's I'm validating for myself and not so much for my parents or not so much for other people to see. And that really helped me become stronger as a person and to really get to where I am today. And Elaine, how did you learn about imposter syndrome and how does it look like for you?
1: Mm, I would say I learned about imposter syndrome this year. I do remember we talked about it when we first started talking And I guess it just went over my head and uh, it's just always been my normal. And I remember when you asked me to be a guest for this topic, I was a little bit confused. And then I realized when you told me that that was my imposter syndrome doing its thing because I didn't think I was like, uh, I, I knew anything about imposter syndrome to even be a guest. And turns out it was my imposter syndrome preventing me (laughs) from thinking I was able to talk about having imposter syndrome. Um, I definitely think that my imposter syndrome is rooted in the fact that I was never able to acknowledge and celebrate my success. And even now with YouTube, I don't see it as an achievement, which I know a lot of people think I'm being humble about or, you know, trying to slightly brag Uh, but I honestly never saw it as success because of what my parents drilled into me, Uh, since it wasn't the traditional path of making money or going to school. um, I personally don't think I achieved anything in life, which I know a lot of people in my life say otherwise, like yourself. Um, I'm not trying to be humble or Anything, it's, I genuinely don't see it. And I think this is my main issue with imposter syndrome. It affects me so much that I don't see this amazing thing that happened to me. And I do really want to honor it more because it was a great time of my life. But yeah, I definitely think imposter syndrome was one of my biggest downfalls. I think if I was able to catch it early on and I was able to see myself differently, I definitely think I could have achieved more. Um, But I'm actually really glad I took a break from YouTube because uh, it gave me the space and opportunity to be a human and then meet friends that didn't know who I was, that didn't know who uh, Elaine Mock was on the internet like yourself so you know things happen for a reason
0: (laughs) thank you so much for sharing that with us and I can definitely see where you might be fearful that people might think oh you know she's just humble bragging or she doesn't realize that how she's successful she was and how many people would kill to have the amount of subscribers that she has Mm -hmm. and It just reminds me of how, when we were preparing for this podcast, I was even asking you, how should I introduce you? How many number of subscribers do you have followers and views? And there's a reason why we didn't mention it in the beginning when we introduced you. And that's because, you know, why does it matter how many subscribers you might have? And it could be 10,000 or 20,000. And for you, it was a lot more than that. But (laughs) it didn't mean that you're less of a person because you had 10,000 versus someone who had Mm 50,000. And I'm really glad that we didn't make the introduction for you to be just based on those numbers, to be based on how many views you have, how many people follow you, and how many videos you have up. Because your content is about what you have out rather than those numbers. And, you know, there's the other part of this where your numbers and your success has to be measured as well. And I'm a believer where you can be measured in two different ways. One, you know, quantifiable, you have your numbers of your grades, for example, or how many people are following you on social media. But on the other hand, a lot of it is really about how you feel about yourself. And for me, I can give a couple of examples. So I used to go to the gym a lot and I did a lot of strength training and I gained probably 15 pounds on the scale, but it was the leanest I've ever been. And that's because all my weight gain was in muscle mass rather than Mm -hmm. for example, fat mass. And I Mm -hmm. lost fat mass in the end because I was working out so much so that's one clear example where I realized that it's not always about the measurements about the numbers it's about how you feel too and it really aligns with what you said about celebrating your success. Sometimes we're so worried about, you know, let's get the highest marks possible. How much money am I going to make or how much I weigh on the scale? All these things relate to numbers and it can be such a harmful way to measure your success. And it's the same for my podcast where I don't have thousands and millions of views, but I feel like I've succeeded in something where I had this goal in mind to release a podcast and to upload regularly. And I feel like I have achieved that regardless of how many numbers or viewers or listeners and followers I have. And it's just so empowering to reframe it in that way, to think about it in a way that's so much more gentle and empowering for yourself.
1: Yeah, and I also think that we have very similar goals when we create content. And um, that is to, as long as it helps even one person out there, all the effort we've been through was worth it. Um, Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, and that's the same for me. I have people asking me, oh, when's the next episode out or discussing my blog post or the podcast with me. And it just makes me feel so proud of myself that you know my goal was to help at least one person and to give them some strategies or ideas and being able to hear the feedback has been so amazing and Elaine you know you're someone who spent a majority of your time on social media because of YouTube did you find that you had to keep up that persona all the time and for people to see that regardless if the camera
1: was on or off? Um, I'm not really sure how to answer that. Uh, <laughs> I guess I didn't really see myself more or less because of YouTube. Um, maybe imposter syndrome kept me humble. Um, I did have dozens of other channels prior to the channel that people know me uh, from, Elaine, the Lay Mock channel. And prior to the Lay Mock channel, I had all these channels where it was like music, animation, nail art, um, fashion, stuff like that. Those never took off, but I loved every part of it. I loved creating content. It's been a part of my life since, yeah, 2005, since I was 10. So whether or not, um, it had views, it didn't matter because it made me happy. It was my hobby. Um, but I did notice that particularly for the beauty community, it was very, very superficial. And I felt so out of place. Um, because I was out of place, first of all, um, I never fit in that uh, community at all. And it's very different. People are very, very different from what they see, um online and in real life. So, um <laughs> I I don't know. I, I really don't know how to answer that actually.
0: That's really fair because it's just something that was such a big part of your life where you spend a lot of time preparing for those videos, recording and putting it out there that eventually I'm sure it kind of cultivated your identity as a whole Maybe what I could ask is you talked a little bit about the beauty community and how everyone seemed different on camera than off camera. Did you find that you had to work harder to try to be that way so you could fit in more? Or was it more of trying to figure out your own identity?
1: Oh, um, okay. I do feel that because I am more... I guess vulgar and honest in my videos um, that I'm not considered PR friendly so because YouTube was my main source of income I felt that I had to be superficial uh, to be more PR friendly to uh, get more sponsors because YouTube changed their algorithm and I wasn't um, making as much through YouTube views so and you know the companies knew that they had the upper hand uh so they could you know haggle with us to uh pay us less and we had to do more for less and it was just a really difficult time because i hated being that person and um yeah <laughs> it, i i would say that was the part where i felt like i had to be someone i couldn't because i had to make money and it just got to the point where I didn't. I rather wouldn't. I I, sorry. Um it just came to the point where I would rather not make that money than be someone I'm not. But there are people who can do that and you know good for them. (laughs) So yeah.
0: That's a really powerful statement because it just shows, you know, you're trying to stay true to who you are and that's not always easy when you have those opportunities to make an income or to put yourself out there and become more popular and having that trade-off is always going to happen especially when you're so out there and in the open for everyone to see did you ever have moments where you might have thought you know this is never going to be enough I'm never going to have an the right amount of followers or make the amount of money that I want?
1: So because YouTube was my main source of income back then, I did have to fixate on the numbers a lot. And that did affect me because I was so confused with how something I love could be stressing me out so much. I love creating content more than YouTube income. So I decided it was better for me to just step away Also with anything you do in life, you actually just have to accept that it's never enough. As long as you give your honest and genuine effort, you will always be enough as long as you are proud of your craft.
0: I appreciate that you emphasized how in life we probably won't be happy with just having enough and it reminds me of when I first started my master's program and every single course um, there are a couple of different people who show up because of the different timelines and we have to do an introduction it's usually a written few sentences paragraph about yourself and everyone seems to have so much experience and other masters or someone even had a doctorate And that really made me nervous. I'm usually one of the younger ones in my cohort. Everyone's a bit older and I'm just thinking, man, am I going to have enough experience to get through this program? Am I going to be able to do a good job as a therapist in the future? And when I try to ground myself, I have to really remind myself that, you know, we're all starting from the same place in terms of starting the program and that does it mean I'm going to be more accomplished or proud of myself if I had a couple more degrees? And that's not the case. It's Everyone's a bit different about how they think and feel and what they have to bring to the table. That's a little bit about how I ground myself when I deal with these situations. And it's usually about comparing myself with others. What did you do in the YouTube space to, try to not compare yourself all the time with other creators?
1: You know, definitely I did compare in terms of my looks. I'm not conventionally pretty like some YouTubers, or I might not have the same type of management, editing style, or uh, editing programs, cameras. It's just, I felt like you know i was so fixated on all these things where you know i had to compare oh editing uh, their quality my quality their angles my angles what lens are they using and then my lens isn't as fancy as theirs and oh wow they have help how come i don't have help and i was just putting all of these um un- like these expectations that i clearly can't achieve due to life circumstances, maybe uh, disposable income, where I can spend more on those things or hire someone. Um, and it definitely made me feel like, oh, I can't release anything because it's not good enough. But eventually, I realized, look, no, like people watched me when I was filming on a point and shoot camera talking about how I have acne. and I realized, It really doesn't matter about, you know, all the little things with what lens you're using, what newest camera model you have, what lighting is hitting you correctly. It's about the content. And it took me too long to realize that, but it's okay. I realize that now. And I am definitely working towards more genuine content. Um, My therapist told me you know, don't put so much pressure on yourself because when you're ready to make that video, it'll be amazing and genuine and you'll be proud of it. And yeah, so I've just been reminding myself, are you proud of it? Is, is this going to help someone? And um, yeah. And
0: when you talk about, are you proud of it? That's something you've asked me a couple of times, especially Mm -hmm. when you helped me edit my first podcast episode before I uploaded it online. You asked me, is this something you're proud of? At first, honestly, I took that a bit. I wouldn't say offensively, but I was taken aback because I was thinking, oh my gosh, I've never thought of it where am I proud of something? It was more of, is this, are people going to like this? Is this going to sound good? And it was always about what I thought other people would think of my content, not Mm -hmm. so much about what I thought about my content. And that's another way for me to just ground myself and to realize that, you know, I started this podcast to bridge together my experiences from school and work to really normalize mental health. And my goal was to just be able to help at least one person to learn something new. And it's not about trying to get famous or trying to get really popular online. It was just something I wanted to do for so long. And I wanted to be able to put it out there that, you know, we all have these things going on in our lives and people aren't alone. And it's something that I'm proud of doing.
1: I'm so happy you're proud.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And there are times where I might think that, oh man, this is not good enough. And it's one type of imposter syndrome, which is called being a perfectionist. Mm. I know it's something you can relate to um, in a lot of our previous conversations. And for me, it's always about, do I, have this done correctly is it all good enough and cutting out all the ums and uhs and everything but just realizing that we're all human we all make mistakes we have to breathe <laughs> 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 you don't have to cut out the heavy breathing in my podcasts or trying to cut out the ums and uhs but to recognize that there are times where we need to grieve or we're not feeling that great and That's all part of the normal experience and to just ask ourselves, is this something we're proud of today or why is it not okay that I need to take a break? It is okay to take a break. Yes.
1: Breaks are very important.
0: And I know you haven't been on the YouTube community or field for the last few years, not as actively as you were before. Did you find that being away from that setting helped with your imposter syndrome or has it manifested in other areas of your life?
1: So I don't remember the peak of my imposter syndrome, but I do remember a couple highlights in my life where I do remember they were quite high. Um, One of the earliest ones was because I do live, I did grow up in a more traditional Chinese household, Uh, So uh, typically, they would value the firstborn more um, and the male more. And in my family, my older brother was born first. So he was valued very highly. And um, I always felt like I wasn't enough. And I was trying to be enough to, you know, get my parents love. But I realized This was actually the exact point also where my depression started. Um, It was when I was 10, um, I got my report card. I remember I showed my mom all of my A's and she didn't care. And she only cared about what my, uh, my brother did. So I definitely feel like at that point, everything, no matter what I did, I wasn't enough. No matter what I did in life, it wasn't enough. So I think maybe that's the start and maybe it's still something constant in my, in my life. I do think I do catch myself ever since, uh, you talk to me about it I've been like oh (laughs) imposter syndrome I think one of the most recent cases of imposter syndrome was actually with my plants because it's been a new hobby of mine and I was researching so hard on how to keep my plants happy I got them grow lights a humidifier like heat mats and I'm getting all these like different growing mediums and fertilizer and I was just thinking oh my god I'm such a terrible plant mom they're dying Oh, my God, root rot or, oh, my God, this leaf, why aren't you growing? And then turns out I just needed to give them some time. You know, time always heals. If you mess up with your plants, they will live and they will show you that you did the right thing. It just takes time. And I felt that that was probably one of my most recent cases with my imposter syndrome.
0: It's interesting how you talk about whether or not you're being a good enough plant mom. And it goes back to our earlier conversation about, am I enough? Is this enough? Am I ever going to be good enough? And I think that it's a theme for imposter syndrome, comparing yourself or trying to be enough. And one of the things that we could all work on is to define what it means to be enough. For me, when I was working out a lot, it wasn't about how much I weighed because I didn't need to have a certain weight in order to compete or anything, but it was rather, I wanted to lift this amount. I wanted to be able to lift two plates in deadlift. That was my goal and something to work on. And I knew that, you know, I I don't think it was realistic of me to lift more than that, like four plates or something like that, given my size and my height and all that. And I just had to be realistic And when we're realistic about our goals and we define what we want to work towards, I find that it's a lot more helpful for me to, once again, stay grounded. That's my word of the day today. (laughs) And to work on that mental health muscle because I'm actively thinking about what I can do to achieve the goals that I want rather than using everyone else as a comparison basis.
1: Yeah, of course, and I think even with the, for the weight thing. So I actually struggled with my weight a lot. Um, I used to be severely underweight, and then after puberty, I gained a lot of weight, and I struggled to uh, slim down. And even my dad would give me, you know, laxative teas uh, for me to lose weight because he called me fat, and I was trying to lose weight. And I realized at this one point that, you know, I, I kept fixating on how much I was weighing, but, you know, like, I don't introduce myself like, hi, I'm Elaine Mock, I weigh 120 pounds, which I don't, by the way, that's a very nice weight goal. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like you don't introduce yourself like, hey, I'm uh, 120 pounds. What's up? You know, you don't do that. You, uh, you look in the mirror, or even if like, you don't need to look in the mirror, you just feel good right I actually had this one point in my life where I almost went blind because I lost like 90% of my cornea because I was wearing contacts improper improperly that's like a whole different story but uh, I was having this moment where I was like oh my god I'm I could have went blind and if I was blind do all of these other things matter like do these numbers matter no it just matters about how I feel about myself Um, so yeah, it's really important to just, what was was the quote? What was your quote of the day?
0: Ground yourself. Ground yourself.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Just look inside, ground yourself, be proud. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I love that. It goes back again to how, when I was introducing you, it didn't really matter how many subscribers or followers you had. It didn't Mm -hmm. make you a worse or better person because of that and I invited you not because you have x amount of followers but because you had this experience on YouTube and on social media and it was interesting to hear from your perspective on how that impacted you and earlier you talked about how you know being in a traditional Chinese family where I'm not sure if uh, other people who identify as Chinese or other cultures experience this, but for me, I had the same where my brother is viewed so much better than I am simply because he's male and I'm female. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times it's, you know, it, it doesn't matter how accomplished I am on paper, what my grades were or. If I can do A, B, C, D, it's always going to be him who has the upper hand. He's always going to be better than me and my family because he is a dude and I'm not. Mm -hmm.
1: Do you think this relates back to earlier when you introduced the imposter syndrome, where at first it was mostly women that had it or it was just this is just a coincidence?
0: (laughs) it was really interesting when I found that because mm-hmm. I can see why it is the case. Mm-hmm. If you look back in history, a lot of the times women are always seen as being at um, home,
1: right? This Even mess. the
0: ads yeah. back then it's always women are cleaning the dishes and things like that. But you know, that's not the case. We have a lot more female leaders out there. Our first uh, vice president who's female in the United States and It's just so amazing to see the power of women coming to light. And it's not about feminism where oh women are so much greater. It's nothing like that. It's about normalizing that exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, biologically we might have differences, um, differences, but you know, on a mental, psychological, and educational or intelligence level we have our own opportunities to make things equal or be better too. Mm-hmm. Everyone has something to put to the table. So you're right where imposter syndrome it might affect women a lot more because we're told to be below or told to be quiet, told to be more polite, more elegant and just mm-hmm. kind of staying in the corner, but you know that's not really the case. And for me, I learned it throughout my childhood, where I had to always work to be better than my brother. And that changed over time when he did his own thing, and I did my own thing and started to really develop who I am as a person.
1: So I definitely think that since we are children of immigrant parents, we definitely have issues with imposter syndrome of uh, a lot of trying to be better than our cousins our parents friends kid or you know someone in your class or your neighbor I don't know like it's just the reality of our culture is that we are comparing ourselves all the time and I really hate it because it really go even goes into gender Um, I remember when I took up Muay Thai like Thai boxing I loved it so much and my dad was so against it he was like why like don't do that that's so not like feminine. uh, Why would you do that? And um, (laughs) I just really hope that uh, the I I feel that the next generation uh, wouldn't have as much uh, gender stereotypes. And I hope that it will balance out a little bit more. um, Because I feel like now with the internet, we really get to just access other people's culture so easily and see how they live their day to day life and see that oh, you know, um, maybe in this country, this is what the customs are like, but then in another country, it's different. And I feel like eventually you just leave your imposter syndrome behind and you find your community and your world where you are validated and proud of yourself all the time.
0: I love that about just trying to leave it behind and being empowering it almost feels like a lifelong goal to leave your imposter syndrome behind. And Mm -hmm. it goes back to where we say, where, how much is enough
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that just keeps popping up. And I just find that it relates so well with imposter syndrome because Mm -hmm. it's
1: never enough. Just, (laughs) it's never enough and just go, just do what you want, be proud and be happy, be genuine.
0: Elaine, you bring up a great point about moving beyond our imposter syndrome and a lot of what we spoke about today about whether or not it's going to be enough. It's a very lifelong battle and it's almost, you can't get past it. And the more powerful way to think about it is how you can work on seeing yourself in a different way there are so many different lenses that we have and we're so automatically thinking of ourselves in a negative way or in a very constructive way that we don't usually use a more neutral or positive lens when we see ourselves
1: Mm -hmm.
0: whenever i experience imposter syndrome I usually don't notice it right away because I'm automatically comparing myself or automatically. you just assume
1: like, right. I don't know anything. You just assume everybody knows more than me. Do you remember a time where we thought adults were really smart? And now that we're adults, we're like, no, not every adult is smart. <laughs> not every adult knows everything. Not every adult is good.
0: I remember when I was in high school and I used to think, oh man, you know, 25 year olds, they've been working, they're out of school. They're so cool. They've got it together. And when I hit 25, I was like, man, there's so much about the world and life that I don't know about yet. Mm -hmm. And that just goes to show that it's all relative. It doesn't matter what gender you are what age you are what your ethnicity is what matters is how you perceive things or how you interpret them and act on them and with imposter syndrome just being able to reframe our thoughts or to see ourselves in different lenses outside of our automatic negative ones Mm -hmm. and just thinking about how we can be kinder to ourselves it all kind of relates back on just the introspection, which is what a lot of the season has been about on the podcast and how we view ourselves is so important rather than how other people view us. Mm -hmm.
1: I definitely feel that uh, a lot of people are a lot harsher and more harsh and realistic towards themselves, but they also, they're like, oh no, no, I'm being realistic, but you're being very, very harsh on yourself. You have to be realistic and kind to yourself. There are times where you can be kind and times where you do need to be realistic and be like, okay, no, I can do better.
0: It's not just about tearing yourself down, but how you can just stand up and become better. Thank you so much for sharing a bit about your background with YouTube and how you've dealt with imposter syndrome. What are you up to now and how can listeners support you outside of YouTube?
1: Oh, yeah, So I am slowly making my comeback to the internet. And since I have been, I guess, AFK or offline, I have been working on my beauty store, mancobeauty.co. We are ready to launch uh, May June so watch out maybe it'll be up when this podcast is up so listeners can find me at Elaine Mock on social media and give mancobeauty.co a visit uh, thank you guys so much for having me on the podcast
0: thank you so much for being part of this episode and it's a special one because it's the sixth episode and I originally intended to try out six episodes at a time and this is the end of my first season and I'm Woo! happy to share that I'm going to keep going and I just love being part of this process of normalizing mental health so yes. thanks everyone for listening so far yeah <laughs> see you
1: guys in season two I don't know if I'm a guest on that but I can't wait for season two <laughs> of <laughs> Fundamentally Human Woo-hoo! Woo! congratulations
0: thanks for being here and for any listeners who are visual learners or would like some more resources I have a blog post on this topic, and I invite you to read it on shervin.ca and to follow my Twitter at Hello shervin for updates. I hope you have some time to enjoy the sunshine and the better weather, hopefully. I'll see everyone soon. Take care. Bye!